I'm Sean Bowles, and I want to welcome you to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I have a passion for how the prophetic gifts can change the world around us. They make simple, everyday people like you and I a catalyst for life-changing experiences with the supernatural. On this podcast, I have friends from all different backgrounds who each have a powerful story to tell about how the prophetic is shaping their world. I invite you to be part of the conversation. This is Exploring the Prophetic. Welcome today to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I'm Sean Bowles, your host, but I have an exciting announcement. My wife is actually going to be the host today because we got done with our modern prophetic seminar and we had a panel of different people from different industries who shared about their prophetic journeys and their stories with my wife, who was the moderator of the panel. And so we wanted to include this in Exploring the Prophetic Podcast because it was so pertinent to issues and things and even just like hearing their story is just so invaluable. I mean, I, I always say the power of story is like, you know, if a, if a picture is worth a thousand words, a story is worth a thousand sermons. I mean, this is worth so much, just the, the, the context of these guys' content and their stories. And so in the panel today, you're going to discover just different perspectives. And I love how they all work together as far as what, what it's like to walk in different industries or walk into different lives with the prophetic. And so before we get there, I'm going to just share with you about my new book, Modern Prophets, which this seminar is based on. And if you're interested in how to apply the gift, the ministry, the office of the prophetic in your life, this book is going to really help you. But I have a little announcement uh, clip here. Hey, Exploring the Prophetic audience, I have a new book out called Modern Prophets. And I wrote this book specifically to give a theology, but also practical application for how to apply the gift, the ministry, and the office of the prophet into your lives. And I'm giving you not only the theology of why it's a big deal to understand the prophetic and how you can engage this incredible gift set in your life, but also I'm giving you a lot of starter models and a practical application for how to do this. One of the things I love right now is that God wants to bring dignity back to the prophetic. There's billions of dollars going to the psychic medium industry because prophets have not risen up. People have not risen up with the true prophetic gifts to hear God's voice. God has a, an original intention over all things he created and we get to see his intention and we get to call it forth on the earth right now. So this book's going to help you do that. It's available in bookstores all around the world right now. It's in several languages, Modern Prophets. Get yours at Barnes & Noble's, Amazon.com or BullsMinistries.com now. Three new people with us today, which are amazing. Well, they're not new, but I'm going to introduce you guys to, to them. So we have, first of all, and you guys may or may not know some of, some of these guys that are up here, but we're just going to have a conversation. Um, one thing that I was sharing yesterday that um, I'll just say again today is that um, regardless of whether you can directly identify with uh, someone's occupation or the specific area that um, that they're called to. There's still stories and nuggets and keys inside of everyone's journey that are just so impartable that you can just grab and just apply right to your journey, even if your journey is different. So these guys have huge, huge keys, and I just, I love the diversity um, of, of you guys that we're, we're getting to hear about your stories today and kind of what's going on with you guys. So um, chair number one, we have um, Marshall Allman, and some of you may recognize him from television, but um, he most recently has been on um, Humans, on the show Humans on AMC and NCIS. And, um, and many, many, many other uh, shows. And he's also um, a, an entrepreneur um, behind the scenes as well and an incredible creative person, business mind. His wife is hilarious and amazing. She's also an awesome actress, comedian. She's incredible. And we totally love you guys and celebrate. You guys are such a unique gift and we just, we're really happy to have you here, Marshall. Wow, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. And then secondly, we have the amazing and the lovely Lauren Hassan. Yes. And Lauren is a force to be reckoned with, amazing, fierce woman of God. Um, just you shine, my friend. This girl, it just pours out of Lauren. She is one of the most prophetic people that I have ever met. She's also a fierce uh, business person, strategist, 
um, incredible thinker. I mean, this woman is completely brilliant and um, equally as, as deep, um, spiritually, prophetically, incredibly um, insightful. And so uh, she's going to be doing the afternoon session, so I cannot wait. I think we're all in for a huge treat with Lauren. Um, but we also get to hear from her today on the panel, just get to hear a little bit more about her um, and God, what God's doing in her life right now, too. And then we have Ryan Ellis. Yes. You guys are recognizing him from being up on stage and uh, leading us in worship for this entire um, seminar so far. I mean, these songs, right? His voice, the presence. Have you guys enjoyed this as much as I have? Like, wow. You're amazing. Thank you. Yeah. What you carry is so heavenly and so kingdom and you just have such an ability to just bring a whole group of people to a place um, in God's heart and just to actually connect and encounter him and so um, we're super excited uh, to hear from you today as well and Ryan is an incredible songwriter worship leader um, he has uh, two albums out and one that's coming out next week is that or the next week yeah, we're recording it next week oh recording it next week okay and um, he also was nominated for a Dove Award. Yes. Yes. So you guys, are, you guys are amazing. So we're just so glad to have you guys with us. Um, and so we, I gave kind of a brief overview of who you guys are and kind of an introduction to our crowd here today. But I just wanted for you guys to actually get to tell a little bit more about, about who you are and sort of what God has been doing in your world. Oh, behind the scenes. Ah, behind the, yeah. first. I mean, the, the real behind the scenes is uh, I have three kids, so most of my time is spent um, just cultivating a great marriage and raising three kids. And then on, this, on, the, other, uh, on the other hand is um, balancing this odd creative life um, as a believer, and I'm basically called to play characters that would never come to a church. Um, like the running joke is like I'll be in a business meeting with a business that I help run. It's like a Christian business, and I'm like, "Hey guys, I gotta go. I gotta go play a serial killer real quick. Um, I'll be back on the call. Will you still be there?" So it's been this odd mix of like, how do you delve into some of the darker areas of humanity and understand the human condition? And as an actor, my job is to represent the human condition to you guys in a way that's. Um, either moralistic or entertaining or compelling, um, but has to be accurate and ring true, but then at the same time uh, be devout and hold beliefs that I hold. Um, so that's an interesting, I live in a very interesting dichotomy between what I do and who I am. Yeah. Do you mind if I ask you a question about that? Because I'm sure that that's something that like most of us would never ever think of that what artists actually have to carry there has to be a place where when he says like I'm gonna go play a serial killer okay you're Christian you carry Jesus inside of you but this is part of of the the art and it's part of the world that you're called to minister into so how do you portray something that's so completely opposite of what you encounter in your personal life and make it believable present that what does that look like to guard your your spirit but also to like carry that in a way that's believable like explain a little bit of that to us I mean the interesting thing is I've been doing it so long that when I started it was sort of like if you were going to be a Christian actor it was like oh so you're going to play Jesus and like that that was like the only role I could play because it was like you're not allowed to curse you're not allowed to sin why are you promoting those materials um, so I had to like kind of defy a lot of the church community that I was kind of raised in to sort of be, follow this artistic instinct. Um, and for me, where it dovetails is like, for me, the Christian worldview is so powerful because it presents us as sinners. It doesn't shy away from the uglier parts of who we are as a human. Um, and so Christianity in general is an odd dichotomy to me because it says on one hand, you're a sinner. And on the other hand, you're a saint. And out of the mouth, you both bless and curse. Um, and so it's only when you live in that grace, by the grace of God, that 
you a sinner or also someone that can help save someone's life or speak truth or uh, be the light for the world, but at the same time, you're also human. So it's, it's as, as, a, as I've had to study like the depth of the human condition and what is the human experience and, and what it means to be Christian and what, what does it mean to really truly like Jesus is the Holy One, not me. And as I follow him and emulate him and be with him, then I get to participate in, in the things that he does, and that's a gift. So it's kind of living in that, that authentic place. Um, like, I don't get to pretend that I'm perfect ever because that's my job right. is to be like, see how imperfect I am? Right. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of that's a little bit about it. Yeah, wow. I feel like that's, that's a, a really honest and um, humble and complex and aware answer. I'm like, Yes. Yeah, try being up on yes. stage now in front of everybody and be like, hey, I'm a model Christian. And what? you're like, no, I'm not. Like, I am not a model human. I'm not a model Christian. I'm, I'm, I spend most of my time just desperately trying to, to get more of the love of God and understand the love of God for my life and serve others in, that, in light of that truth. And I, I'm fully well aware of how much I fall short in every area of my life. So even when I get to do something prophetic, because God has used me to do amazing, like, you know, Sean taught me how to prophesy. So, like, when I get to do those things, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I feel like I just, like, you know, it's like, uh, if, like, if somehow I was, like, the, the, the ball manager on the, like, USA basketball team, I'm like, I want a gold medal, guys. They're like, for what? And I'm like, USA basketball. And they're like, you're five foot six. And I'm like, I know. Don't tell anyone. They're going to take my medal. That's so beautiful. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. It's amazing. Yeah. How about you, Lauren? Give us a little, a little snapshot into who you are, what you do, and what God's doing in your world right now. I know it's a loaded question, but you know, just narrow it down. Um, okay, so for me, I absolutely love community. I really value authenticity. I used to be an actress in stage, and so you would have this amazing group of people that just bonded together, loved each other, shared, you know, all of the different parts of what that part would be. And, um, you know, when you go really vulnerable and you're raw, and, and to me, theater was saying, look, I'm going to show you something that you wouldn't otherwise see uh, because it's, it's a truth. And to find that truth, I have to find the truth within myself. And so um, that beauty of sharing humanity, loving people, enjoying them, letting people feel so safe and accepted was something that um, marked me. And in my life, um, I, I grew up, uh, my dad, which I'll talk about that later in business, but he was an amazing entrepreneur, inventor, and he did incredible things with his life, uh, but it, it really came at um, a big cost. You know, you, you watch someone carrying weight and you grow up with that, and especially before he knew the Lord, I was like, wow, there's a big demand on his life. And from that spot, I have always had a heart for leaders. Like, you, I get you. You know, when I've led different things for years, you make sense to me. I know what it's like when you feel um, like you're alone in it, or I'm passionate about it, and is everyone else as passionate about it as I am? And so um, out of that, uh, it was funny because you do all those tests, and they're like, and what's your people group? And, you know, you, you kind of want to be, like, weirdly Christian, like, oh, it's the church, or it's that thing. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. For me, it's entrepreneurs, and entrepreneurs could be pastors, they could be leaders, they could be, you know, uh, sex trafficking. It's anyone that says, there's an idea that I see, and it would be phenomenal to see that actually released in the world, and I'm going to do everything to make that happen. And so out of that, um, I started an organization that's for leaders. It's for people to come and have a really safe place. It's for people to get ignited. And some of the people that the Lord will say, you know, and uh, it's a membership, but they'll be like, that person 
And someone goes, yeah, but you know, like we're limited because we're kind of full. Like, are they a leader? I'm like, oh my gosh, no, just wait. Like they're emerging, they're gonna happen. And so um, uh, for us, it's been this beautiful, safe, incredible place to help leaders, to help uh, market what they're doing, to, to get resources past what they have to make them happen. And, um, and it's been interesting because for me, of course, that became an expression over the city of San Diego. And so um, maybe 10 years ago, God just kept talking to me about the city, the city, will you love the city? What would the city look like if there weren't walls between people? And, and where I live, I will admit, it's, it's like an affluent area, so people are very guarded. Like, they're very used to just, like, you're together. You know, no one sees that I'm not together. I'm just going to try to really posture myself in a certain way. And, and I have to admit, like, I had no heart for these people at all. Zero. <laughs> like, I did, like, I like broken people. Like, if you came, you made sense. Okay, be broken, be an entrepreneur, be something. Don't be blow-dried, because <laughs> I don't have to do with that. <laughs> and so... So I remember sitting there, and I was at a city, Cindy Jacobs conference, yeah. and you went through the wildest fire tunnel I have ever been in, and I didn't know that the women behind you, like, they're literally there to wheelbarrow you out and catch you, <laughs> and then they sort of dump you off somewhere at the end. So I'm like, I can't, I can't take any more. Just dump me, dump me, dump me. <laughs> and then some woman starts prophesying over me, and I was like, okay, I think I have, like, no more room at the end. You need to stop yourself. Mm. So she starts prophesying about the Valley of Dry Bones. Okay, I love the Valley of Dry Bones. I love that. And all of a sudden, I am sobbing. Okay, there's something that happens when your spirit's sobbing, but your soul has no clue what's going on. Wow. Like you're having this double experience. Yeah. So like I'm, I'm just, you know, bungee jumping, booger, snot, <laughs> crying, like, you know, just laying in the carpet. And, I, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the worst feeling I have ever had. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, it's like despair. Oh, my gosh, it's so, so much despair. I go, oh, loneliness. There's so much loneliness. Oh, my gosh, loneliness. So much loneliness. So I'm literally for an hour and a half, I'm on the ground, and I am going through the world. Oh my gosh, these are all the people that, that I've been praying for, people like in Africa, the HIV widows I keep reading about. He goes, no, huh? I go, okay. Mexico, so, so much has happened in Mexico. Oh my gosh, it's been breaking my heart. Okay, my soul's just faking it, because I probably want to be done with the crying, <laughs> but he won't tell me what it is. So I'm like this, I'm going like, okay, all right. I can't take it, tap out, tap out. Who are these people? All the blow-dried people where I live. And I have no heart for them. And he goes, yeah, but I do. He goes, because behind that is that same person you're attracted to that's broken. It's the same person that's killing your heart because you know what's going on with their kids. And, and the double layer is they are terrified that A, they don't have the answer because self-sufficiency didn't work, and B, they don't want anyone, if they really saw them and they were authentic, like, no, you're now out of the club and all the doors are closed. And so um, that's, that was something when the Lord said, all of these cities in San Diego so he started, he always grows, he started with that, and then he said, but I really want all of San Diego. And you know how the Lord works, and I had word after word after word after word of just all the things people wanted to do with our city. And they would say, you know, because a big thing we, we want to do is like, hey, if you loved each other, there's no competition, there's no possessiveness, there's no territorialism, you don't have to be anything, you are amazing. Uh, we want to champion together. What would happen if there was something so rare that you so loved the other people you're in community with that you would do something way beyond yourself that's magnificent? So that's like, that's 
that's the thing I keep saying, God, I want to see that thing happen. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. That's so good. I feel like, um, I feel like what you're doing and uh, what we all have the invit invitation into doing is at, at minimally, and you're doing this like ex exponentially, is to impact your um, impact your community, you know, and um, that's been uh, one really fun thing for Sean and I to learn as we first had Harper go to kindergarten for the first time, and just ask the Holy Spirit. It's a public school, um, and so not Christian. We literally wrestled that out. We went, do we go to this amazing Christian school that like a bunch of our friends have kids at? That's amazing. Or do we send our little lights out into the dark and go with them and shine here, like in this public school? Like, what do we do? Not that either is right or wrong. It's just an individual answer uh, for, for however God leads you. But we decided we're going to send Harper into public school. And this kid shines. Whoa. I mean, she is so special. She is so bright and sparkly all upon everyone, just hugging everyone. So, I mean, everyone loves her. She's just sparkles Jesus in love and hugs all over everyone and we've really enjoyed taking the the very first uh, part of the journey but I love that Lauren that God was like don't don't be looking everywhere else and just look around like I love that I love that you're loving your community it's just so so powerful yeah I love that yeah so Ryan give us a little a little snapshot of kind of what's going on in your world, how you're seeing God move, what he's doing, what you're sensing. Um, my world is, is this thing on? Okay. Uh, I'm a father, I have two kids, and I think it's a season of me just like, learning how to be present. Mm -hmm. And um, we're like going through, like, I mean, I, I shared a little bit last night, but you know, we, our son was just born, our second born. Our first born's two years old, beautiful child, and uh, easy, real easy. Mm -hmm. Any parent here know like, praise God for an easy child, like just, <laughs> Like, joyful, like, he's got favor with man, it's crazy, like, if I have to try to get something for free, I just hold him up, I'm like, it's great, and it works, and, um, and then our second born was born, and, uh, and the doctors thought he had this uh, syndrome called Edwards syndrome, which is a genetic disorder, and they don't live, they just have no, uh, uh, I think they don't have any brain function, and that's when they just can't, they stop breathing and different things like that because there's no brain development, and so the doctors all told us, yeah, he has this thing, and, and he, uh, and so it was like the hardest, just like, week of our lives, because they were like, you need to get your house ready and to be a hospice and all these things, and, um, and then the, we had the church praying, uh, Expression 58 was praying for us, and a lot of churches in, in Orange County were as well, and, um, and then the doctors came back and they did the blood work and they said he doesn't have the syndrome that we thought he had. And it's, uh, they literally said it was a miracle. They said, yeah, praise God, it was just crazy. And with all the doctors, there's like seven doctors. I don't know if, you know, if you've ever been in the hospital or the NICU, there's like seven different doctors that are always coming in and you're like, oh my gosh, who's the quarterback here? You know, like this is ridiculous. And so, you know, it's just been a really crazy time. But they were like, this is a miracle. And we have a, a combined, like, 150 years of experience, and we've never seen anything like this. And, um, and they did all these brain tests, and they said he's going to have normal brain development. So now it's just all cosmetic, you know, and different things like that. But I think the hardest thing, uh, especially, I think, creatives, yeah. you know, we, like, our brains are always going a million different miles, you know, at different directions. And... And then when the life really hits you and kind of like, you feel like it's interrupting your plan and God's like, this is the plan all along. <laughs> I don't think it was God's plan for him to come out with like, you know, a disorder, but I think he uses all things for his glory. And I, and I think that, you know, God, you know, you know, my wife said this perfectly. She goes, I don't think God like intends for bad things to happen to people, but I do believe that he's like there 
just standing right by us when they do happen, you know? Anyways, it's a very simple truth, but um, so it's easy for creatives, people like myself, you can zone out and just pour yourselves into your projects or different things like that, and I'm ADD anyways, I'm really trying to focus up here. Um, what's the question? What are we talking about again? Um, but it's, you know, I think and what God is teaching me is to be present and to be there, and, I, and I've, been spent, I've been able to, uh, being a musician, I get to work, you know, from home a lot, and, and um, and spending a lot more time with my son, uh, you know, my firstborn, and, and, and then really trying to be present with my, my secondborn because now he's home from the hospital and we have all the equipment in our room now because he's still hooked up to oxygen and different things like that. But it'd be, it's so easy for me to just to check out and just be like, okay, this is hard. I'm going to go write a song or I'm going to go work on music mm-hmm. or different things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but God's just teaching me how to be present with my mm-hmm. kids, with my wife. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that's just like kind of been, yeah, you can clap for that. Praise God. <laughs> um, I, I think that's kind of just the journey from the beginning, you know, of me when I started following uh, Holy Spirit and just living by faith. Because when I, when, I, when I got activated, when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, you know, it's like everything was different. You know, I wasn't just showing up for church, but there was like, Okay, there's a purpose, there's a calling for my life, and I have this hunger to see God do something amazing. And, like, you know, anybody who has that, like, that kind of, you know, that, that relationship with the Lord, when you allow Holy Spirit, everything's, like, magnified. I'm going to, like, bring revival to the United States. You know, it's always, like, some crazy, huge, like, thing that you feel like you're called to do, and it feels overwhelming. And so what you're always, so for years... It's always been like, the, like what's, the, what's the next thing that I'm doing? And I feel like this whole time God's always just been like, just be present. You know, just be present. Because in the present, that's where my presence is. And that's where you're going to be ministering the most. And that's where people get changed. And that's where you're going to get changed. Um, so, yeah, it's been a very interesting, like, couple of years, past decade. Um, yeah. I mean, my life is just very interesting. I couldn't tell you, like, I'm working on one thing or... I mean, it's, it's like I'm, work, I'm doing a live album next week, but it all just, like, lined up. It was, like, kind of planned last minute. Um, and then, you know, had a song released by Chris Tomlin, just like a couple, you know. And that's the song that, yeah. So it got, that song got nominated for a Dove Award. Um, uh, it would, and, uh, and that was just God, too. It was me releasing, surrendering to the Lord and being like, hey, my life is like, you can do whatever you want with it. And any time that I've ever tried to strive or reach, it always felt like I was striving and reaching. And, um, okay, and so this is the story. So this is kind of like a, this is kind of, this would encapsulate my life. I wrote this song five years ago at this, and I was doing this ministry called Jesus Burgers up in Isla Vista. Hey, represent. IV up in the house. Is that IV people? Come on. Get prophesied by those guys, by the way. It's amazing. That's where, yeah, that's where it all happened. I moved up to Isla Vista. I learned how to hear the voice of God. Sorry, Sean, from them. And, uh, and, and uh, it was amazing. Oh, just look into it. Do you guys have books here? Do they have books here? No? There you go. And, um, but I, we used to do this thing called Uproom, and I was a worship pastor there for a while. And we have this house that's in the craziest party city of in, in uh, next to the University of Santa Barbara, 20,000 kids in a square mile radius, just like crazy, like you can't even drive down the street. Anyway, so we would get geared up and we would like do worship for like two hours and then we'd go out on the patio and then we'd grill up hamburgers and we just love the city. Not about like preaching or evangelizing or it was, our goal was just to love the city, here's some hamburgers, you know, if you have to throw up, there's a bathroom in the back and, and and that was it. It was amazing. And so I, you know, that's where I started birthing on a lot of songs. And I just remember having the revelation that I needed to like, that we needed to have the realization of the, re- uh, the, the power of Jesus living on the inside. Right. And so I wrote this song called Resurrection Power. And uh, it's just like, I have resurrection power living on the inside. You have given us freedom just so people get juiced. You know, you need to get like pumped up to go out and like you know, be in front of like thousands of kids that are telling you God's not real. And to be able to pray for them and to see healing, you have to have this like total faith in what God has put inside of you. So that's where it came out, a spontaneous moment. 
And for years, I tried to do projects. I, like, tried to reach out to producers or different things like that. Or people come to me like, hey, let's do this. And I'm like, oh, okay, let's do this. And it never worked out. And God was just like, be present. Just wait and wait. And people then start coming up to me. Hey, we need to record that song. We need to record Resurrection Power. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, it's just not time. It's not time. I always felt the no. I always felt the no and just hearing God's voice. That's why it's so important. I love this conference, prophetic conference, because if you can't hear the voice of God, how do you know to wait? You know, how do you know to like wait upon the Lord, you know? And, and so I waited and I waited for years, five years I waited. I waited for five years. And um, I started jumping around church. And then I get a phone call from a friend and he was like, and a lot of stuff had happened between those five years. And I didn't just wait five years. But I get a phone call from a friend who was the worship pastor over in Kona. And he's like, hey, man, we've been singing your song in Kona, Hawaii. And um, this guy wants to talk to you about this song. He just got encountered by it. And I was like, well, who's this guy? He's like, it's Ed Cash. And I was like, who's Ed Cash? <laughs> I'm like just some house worship leader. I don't know. But he's like the number one producer in Nashville. The number one producer who wrote songs like How, uh, How Great Is Our God. And, and um, he wrote How Great Is Our God and, and, and Great Are You, Lord. <laughs> it was like a lot of greatness going on. He just knows it. He's got the revelation. And, um, and uh, so now I'm FaceTiming with Ed Cash. It's been years holding on to the word of just like, wait, just wait. Something better is coming. And then I'm talking with him and he's like, I really feel like this song is for the church at this moment. And I'm like, all right. And he switches a couple song, a couple words that just like, you know, songwriting. Are there any songwriters in here, worship leaders? You know, come on now. It's just like there's like these little details to fix the song up. 25 minutes later, he's like, I want to pitch this to Chris Tomlin. And I'm like, it would be kind of tight if I sang it though, right? <laughs> Some real levels. And I was like, what about me, Ed? I can sing too. Check this out. But it's all about just hearing God and, like, hearing, you know, hearing the yes and hearing the no. And when he said Chris Tomlin at first, I was like, what about me? But then God was like, Chris has an anointing reach the mass of the church, the church as a whole. I could get on this stage, and it's great. We have experiences like this. But there's, like, hundreds and thousands of churches that Chris has influence in because he has that anointing. And there's a lot of people here that are probably like, I don't really like Chris Tomlin. Or, you know, I've only listened to a couple Chris Tomlin songs. I wasn't, like, a crazy fan. I have a lot of respect for the guy. You know what I'm saying? But it was like he has this anointing to bring this song, this song that God gave me to empower people to understand that they have the power of the Holy Spirit. And the church, right, the church needs that revelation. What we're talking about here right now, about the prophetic and about the Holy Spirit and hearing God, this song encapsulates all of that. And what better way than having the church sing this song and they're meditating on it. And what better way to have someone who's really safe like Chris Tomlin to come in and sing the song and then boom, now the whole church is singing, I have resurrection power living on the inside. I have freedom. So that was a hard decision. <laughs> Even though it sounded dope, it was like, oh, that makes sense, God, but still, what about me, you know? And, and God's like, just be in the present. What am I saying now? And so I said yes to the Chris Tomlin because he had, he had the foot in the door. He had the, the voice to speak to the church as a whole. And um, that's my life. Just me being used by God however he wants me to be used. And uh, it's been 15 minutes. Wow. <laughs> wow. Thank you for sharing that. Two things that I love about what, what you shared and um, I think are so important and so incredibly relatable um, are when you go through a hard season, like what you're talking about with your, with your newborn. I mean, can everyone in this room relate to the reality of what, that we all go through really hard things, sometimes really, really painful things? And thank you for sharing that. And can we all just say that we're committed in the spirit as a group to praying with your family in the name of Jesus? We're going to be partnering with you. You know what? Is it okay if we just pray right now? Can we do Is that okay? Is that okay? Let's just mix it up. Is that okay? I'm like, yes, you guys extend your hands. Let's seriously. And just let's just raise it up. Let's just bring this baby into the, the presence of Jesus. God, we just come to you right now. Lord, every person in this room, 
And God, we just, we stand in unity of spirit. God, in belief and unity as one, Lord, on on your word, God, of healing, of restoration, of the power of your hand, God, the power of the cross, Jesus, and we just stand as sons and daughters before your throne, just lifting up this baby boy, God, and we just say, heal this baby, total healing, total restoration, God. Lord, we call the full and original intention that you have for this precious life. God, we just declare that over him right now. God, we just speak by your stripes. He is healed. We just declare that right now. God, we bless. We bless this family. We bless this baby. And God, we just pray that every, every element of his body would just come into alignment. Lord, Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would just go even now, Lord, and just touch his body, God. And Lord, we just declare life and life more abundantly, exceedingly abundantly above all that we could hope or imagine. We just declare and pray that you would just um, just paint a banner of Ephesians 3.20 over his life, just exceedingly abundantly above, God. And Lord, we just stand as a family right now in this moment, God, and we just ask for your healing hand, for grace and mercy and blessing right now over, over this baby. And God, we just pray over him and his wife and their whole family, Lord, for such strength, Lord, for such perseverance. God, we cancel uh, discouragement. God, we pray for hope, just hope. We just pray that you would just wash continually hope and peace, comfort, God, reassurance over their family. And Lord, that they would feel the strength of of the community around them, of us, just that we are carrying their family in our hearts and just partnering with them, God. And we just bless this family, Holy Spirit, that you would be so present, that there would just be so many angels just constantly in their home ministering to them and ministering miracles, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. You're welcome. Hey, you know what? Sometimes you just have to be present. Just learn. I said sometimes you just have to be present. We're just going to stop right there. Just do that real fast. So I just, I love that, um, that perspective. And then I think the second really key thing that you said that I think is so beautiful and so honest and pure is the struggle that we go through sometimes when we create something and then God wants to promote it through another avenue. And you're like, oh, I love that you talked about that because that's so key. There's this thing about the fabric and the ensemble of the body of Christ. And it's very much not about the one instrument, but about the symphony. And if he wants to promote it this way, or if he wants to release it, what you did was very unselfish. You made a very unselfish choice. You made a choice that was a big picture, heart of God choice. It's like, this wasn't about me, that you just blessed something that was in the heart of the father for kids. That was a very family, very family feel. Doesn't that feel like a family member where you go, yes, this is for the family. This is for the big C. This is for the family. And so I'm going to put myself aside and I'm just going to, I'm going to just serve and be present and not be selfish. And so good on you, my friend. Good on you. Yes. I love that. Now you're going to pray for all of us. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I love that. Um, and so yesterday, one of the, the questions that I asked, the, the third and, and final question, yeah, we're about in the zone here, um, is I was just talking, you heard me say yesterday, one thing I love about the power of story, sometimes the power of story almost to me feels uh, at times more powerful because there's such a relatability, and the power of story to me has the, the opportunity, as does teaching, um, but there's this thing where when someone gives you a very personal story, and it's linked to like a key, like a, a, a breakthrough, you can grab it and remember their story. And sometimes it just changes something. You apply it to something in your life and you get like an, an instant breakthrough. It's almost like you just take a key of impartation. And so I love people's like stories because I think they just change us. They change me. Me and Sean all the time are like naturally interviewing people. We're like, tell us what's going on because you just learn. I feel like you learn so much. Um, and so the testimony of Jesus 
um, is, is, you know, prophecy. So just what's going on with you, it prophesies into my life too. And so I just wanted to ask you guys, what, what right now in your life or in recent times have been some of um, the most anchoring um, kind of like uh, perspectives that you have had um, that have really carried you? I know like I have a few themes where I go this and this have carried me. I've learned these two things. So, uh, yeah, uh, for me, um, one of the things that's really emerging in my life where I'm like, oh man, I feel like I, I, I feel like I'm in a unique position to embody this is the power of the imagination. So I, my job is literally to make imaginary circumstances real, to believe them. And I was like, this is such an odd, it's such an odd job like is there scriptural foundation for that and uh, the Lord spoke to me about um, when they asked Jesus like what what constitutes an affair and he said and I'll tell you if you thought it then you did it and I was like wow Jesus knows that the body knows no difference between imagination and reality except for what your mind tells it so that's my career is I have physical reactions to completely imaginary circumstances I'm constantly tricking my body what's real and what's fake um, and so in that, and then I thought, well, it's so weird that in society, the imagination is kind of considered this benign organ. Like, wow. it just does, it's a child's plaything, right? Like, what a lie to me of the devil to say, like, your imagination isn't real. So one of my favorite things to do is, and it keeps happening, is I keep, like, walking, like, non-believers into sozos, basically, like, my own version of a sozo, where I'm like, hey, you want to do this fun thing? And they're like, what? And I'm like, let's imagine meeting Jesus. And I'll walk them into that. And then they have this imaginary encounter with Jesus, but their body knows no difference. They're like two or three hours later, they come out of it. There was one guy that was like, um, he, he, uh, a buddy of mine was um, running an AA group. And um, a long time ago, me and this buddy had had this big disagreement about uh, demons and whether they exist and whether Christians can be, you know, have a de demon possession and all that stuff. L light topic. And, um, <laughs> and... So anyways, we had this big disagreement, and we kind of didn't stay in touch, and like, you know, seven years later, he calls me, he's like, hey, man, um, are you still doing the demon thing? And I was like, yeah, yeah, why, what's up? He's like, oh, well, a guy in my, a, you know, in my AA group said, hey, uh, you know, hey, um, you're a Christian, right? And he's like, yeah, he's like, well, I feel like there's something determining what I do. Like, it makes me do bad things, and I think it's not good, and can you help me get rid of it? And he was like, no, but I know a guy. So they call me up, and he's like, you can help him, right? And I'm like, sure, let's get him delivered. Okay, you know, have him, have him come over. Um, so we met in a park, because I was like, not in my home. I don't know this guy. Um, and, discernment, uh, discernment. Yeah. And he shows up, like, they, this guy gets out of the car, and, like, he's the most intimidating-looking person I've ever met in my life. I'm like, here I am, like, Ned Flanders almost. And, <laughs> And this guy steps out of the car. He's literally got, like, black glasses, tattoos up his neck. He's, oh I think he's albino. I don't know. His, his hair is fiery red. He looks like he's ascending right now into something. <laughs> and I'm, here I am, the demon deliverer, like, hey, guys. And, uh, and he's like, <laughs> and the first moment we meet, he's like, looks at me like, oh, you're going you're gonna to set me free? And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and... So he sits down at the table, and he starts, like, assaulting me with all these um, sort of theological uh, apologetics questions that were pretty insightful. And, um, and I said, oh, man, those questions are great, and we could talk about them forever, but let's play this game. And he was like, okay. Um, and so, you know, I walk, we, I've sort of developed my own version of a sozo that's mixed with, like, theophostic prayer and, um, and then brings in the power of the imagination. Um, anyways, basically, it's, hey, like, Imagine Jesus walking up, and he's like, and I was like, what's he look like? Um, and he's like, he looks like a sphinx. And I was like, really? And he's like, now a Native American. And I was like, really? And he's like, and now it's a, you know, and he kept like, like at one point I think it was a frog. I don't know. Jesus kept changing in his imagination, changing forms. And I was like, oh, okay, well, how does this changing thing feel about you? And he's like, I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell. And I was like, you want to pick one thing? And he was like, sure, Jesus is a sphinx. And I said, okay, great. Well, how does the sphinx feel about you? And he's like, I don't know, it's a sphinx. And I was like, well, it's not very convenient for this imaginary exercise. And he's like, okay, Jesus is a person. And I said, okay, cool. And then once he started to interact with Jesus, he started pelting him with all, in his imagination, this is just with his eyes closed in the middle of the park, 
pelting him with all these questions uh, that he had against Christianity. Like, one of them was like, why do Catholics worship the Mother Mary? I was like, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, and, um, and Jesus had this amazing answer. I wish I could remember it. It was so, like, I was like, wow, that's not me. That's Jesus. And um, so two to three hours later, Jesus finally asked him one question in this imagination exercise. And he freaked out, and he came out of it, and he goes, he goes, whoa, whoa. He goes, okay, okay. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. What do I do now? And I was like, he was like, and he goes, no, no, no. He's like, I practice transcendental meditation. I practice projecting my soul in the silver cord and the tether and going wherever. And he's like, that's the most intense, longest vision I've ever had in my life. And he said, and Jesus Christ is the dude, so what do I do now? And I was like, oh, okay, well, you can, you know, uh, you know, you might want to be around other people that think the same thing. And then there's a Bible, and you could read that. Um, yeah. And then, you know, just keep doing it, man. And I'm here to answer your questions. I didn't ever say anything to him. Not one thing. It was just simply walking him into an encounter with Jesus where he got to imagine him for real. And it's like, and that happens to me. I've done that with... I do that over dinner parties. Like, with, I was at a dinner party with a huge youth pastor, and it was like he was weeping at the table because it was his first interaction with Jesus. And one of the things that if I could give to you guys is, like, it's, it's, it works by yourself, but it also works with another person where you start to incorporate your imagination when you pray. Like, actually picture yourself sitting down across from Jesus. What's he going to say to you? I mean, this guy saw him as a sphinx, but as he started to try to interact with him, Jesus could no longer be a sphinx. So this guy had a whole theological issue worked out completely not by, I didn't have to correct him, you know. It was like it all just worked out. And then, he, then once he saw who Jesus was, it was like, well, yeah, duh, he's the dude. Um, so that's something where I don't know if I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that, but I keep having these experiences where I keep, walking people into the power of their imagination. And it's not even, there was that book about um, the, the, um, uh, the treasure hunts where the, the one pastor was like, oh, this is so stupid. And he's like, oh, okay, I'm going to hear from God about what I'm supposed to find. And I think Kevin Dedman was like, sure, just make up some stuff. And he's like, okay, the, you know, the, uh, the, um, uh, the, what's it, the, um, in Paris, the tower, the, yeah, he was like, oh, the Eiffel Tower, and he made up all this stupid stuff he felt like I was saying, and they went and did a treasure hunt, and every single one of them he found. And by the end of it, the pastor was like, oh, wait, maybe this is real. Um, and so if, you, and if I think about it, if you think about it a little bit more, it's like, why do we have an imagination? And if you get on paper, like, God is technically your imaginary friend in a way, like, to the rest of the world. Like, you're this super powerful dude that's your best friend that talks to you, that does miracles. It's like, yeah, right, Calvin and Hobbes. I'm sorry, Hobbes is not real. Like, that's how the world sees it. So if not by the power of the imagination, how is God supposed to interact with you? Because he's bigger than what we think or imagine, right? Like, it's beyond. What, so the only tool we have, actually, to really truly interact with God on a biological level is this imagination. So... If I could give that to you guys, you know, hey, take it, run with it, give me your feedback. Yes, wow, I love that. What I really appreciate about Marshall is, as you can tell, he's very creative and very outside of the box. And I find that people that are artistic, are creative, are more willing to, not, not always, I'm not going to be throwing down large generalizations here, but at times can be more open to, um, to God uh, doing things in a different way and have a very creative bent on how they even interact with God and lead other people. Like, for example, myself, I'm getting inspired. If somebody said, I'm going to bring a demon-possessed person to you, number one, I would just get out a book and start reading and watching YouTube videos because that's who I am. I'm like a researcher. I'm like, okay, great. And I love that he's like, meet me in the park. Let's do this imagination. I mean, that sounds pretty gnarly and pretty intimidating to walk into. And a creative person, like, just allows, like, a liberty and a creativity to come over them and say, God, what do you want to do here? How, how do I flow with you? So what I love is that 
we all have very different styles with the Lord. You know what I mean? There's, we all have very different styles. And I love hearing about other people's styles because I really feel like they're also impartable. Like I'm even getting an impartation as I'm listening. I'm like, that's so creative. That's so simple. Even the fact that I love that you're not uptight. You're not religious. And there's such a beauty on this. When the guy starts spinning out and saying, like, I'm a sphinx, I'm a sprout, all that's witchcraft, obviously, right. right? Hello. And I love that that didn't intimidate you, that you literally were like, well, okay, like very fatherly, very nurturing, like, okay, well, I mean, I don't think that really works, so well, what about this? What about, you just, you didn't, you, you weren't, like, you weren't intimidated by that, you just leaned into, like, allowing the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm very, I'm very um, inspired by that right now. Thanks, yeah. I think that uh, Francis Schaeffer is a big part of that because he was like, look, if, if everyone arrives at what they believe for good reason, so if you're like instantly like, oh, what you believe is demonic, they're going to be like, thanks a lot. I, this, I spent my whole life arriving at this belief. Um, but yeah, I mean, also to your point too, like, I don't know what to do with this thing that I'm experimenting with. Uh, there's a part of me that's like, hey, guys, is this heretical? Like, am I completely, <laughs> like, imagine me telling a Baptist about this. You know what I mean? Even though I would love to Jesus. walk a Baptist through that. Be like, hey, let's just do this fun exercise. Um, so, yeah. Well, I'm open to correction, by the way. Well, here's what, here's what I say. I go, you know them by their fruit. So I go, whether, whether or not, I go, he accepted Jesus and said, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I would say that's a win and that that was legal. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I love that. But um, you guys, we're actually out of time. I can't believe it. This always goes so oh, fast. Shoot. I told these guys, I go, this always goes so fast. You have 50 minutes and then we start telling stories and it's just like the living room and then we're out of time. Um, but you guys, thank you for everything you shared. Sorry, guys. Thank you so much. The cool thing is, here's the cool thing. You don't have to say sorry. Um, we've been worshiping with you this entire time and still get more with you. So we get to hear your heart. Oh, yeah. And then Lauren is actually uh, up not next session, but the session after that. So we get a whole whopping hour with Lauren. So there's no sorry here. It's all good. So you guys, thank you so much. You guys are amazing. Thank you for sharing who you are with us. Yeah, thank we appreciate you guys. you guys. Hey, this is Sean Bowles, and I'm going to talk to you real quickly about our Bowles Ministries Partnership Program. This podcast is made by Bowles Ministries, and it's done because of partners and people who are supporting our ministry, who are equipping us to be able to bring this kind of a show to you. If you're loving hearing these interviews where people are sharing vulnerably about their process, which I think is one of the most powerful things we could do is hear each other's process about revelation. If you're loving this, please don't only subscribe, don't only review, don't only tell your friends, but partner with us, be part of the journey, be part of the sending power of Bulls Ministries to get this message across the world. You guys can be part of our team. All you have to do is go to bullsministries.com, click on giving or partnership. And when you go there, you're gonna be part of an incredible partnership community. We're gonna resource you. We actually have partnership director who calls all of our partners once a year. We have resources that we send you. There's a, your very own special partner page with messages and videos that only you can have. But we need you to partner with us if you love this show so that we can actually take it into a whole nother level with the rest of season two, but also going to season three and beyond.